two sports fanatics, both with some background in MMA, looking to provide some of their thoughts on what goes on in the world of mixed martial arts. A jiu-jitsu practitioner who is not afraid to get her feet up and provide a stellar knockout or get your jits on, teams up with the Fly Guy, a karate kid turned boxer who would enjoy putting you to sleep by embracing your neck. Tie the Fly Guy. Live from your favorite podcast station, it's Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles, Laurel versus Ty, and it starts right now. Hey, FKTC crew, welcome to another episode of Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles, the show where we know what the hell we're talking about. Right, Laurel? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Except when it comes down to saying fighters' names, then we have yeah. no idea. <laughs> yes. So, apparently have been pretty good at guessing these things um, the past actually last weekend because someone pointed out like with everything that went on but we'll discuss that later on but for now uh the second straight week we have a numbered ufc card and so as tradition goes we bring on a guest here on the fktc podcast and this week we have a really good friend of ours and the guy who i know i've who i talk to back and forth on almost every card for it seemed like years and he's also a broncos fan like us so let's give it up for ron greco Round hi guys <laughs> thank you guys happy to be here yeah we're stoked to have you here thanks for coming on ron thanks for having me it's good to see your face <laughs> yeah you know guys don't see it enough on social media already <laughs> Well, I mean, er, er, stalker. <laughs> All right. So the three Broncos fans here are going to talk a little MMA. We're going to recap 267. We're going to predict 268. And then we have a request for a talking points on the state of the MMA referees. And so, Ron, we're going to get started with round one. Laurel, round one, are we ready? Yeah. Let's go. All right. So, UFC 267, a pretty solid card. I'd give it, I'd give it probably a B-plus borderline um, just because the prelims were okay. Um, but one thing I do want to highlight before we cover the main card is LaRon Murphy's knee KO. That was something beyond, like, I didn't even see it coming. Like, I looked down for a second, and then I looked up, and the guy's already on the ground. Like, what in the world? <laughs> a me KO, is that where you knock yourself out? <laughs> because I saw this funny, funniest home videos where the guy, and it was obviously 80s because he had weird hair, but he had on, like, this um, cutoff, shirt like they did in the 80s you know no sleeves but in his belly was showing and he had these short shorts and he was dancing to to music and he kicked did a high kick in the air and kicked himself in the head and knocked himself out like on the video and then they never ever played it again I haven't been able to find the videos so I think that he did like a cease and desist on America's Funniest Home Videos was it that kind of knockout <laughs> <laughs> um, 
almost it was like a mix of that probably and a little bit of a Jorge Masvidal if Askren just dove into me instead of Masvidal jumping and hitting him. <laughs> I should go back and watch that. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun, it was a cool knockout for sure. I did see that. <laughs> I think that was my big, like even the broadcast when it had, when the knee landed, like no one thought of anything until his opponent was basically on the ground already knocked out receiving punches. So that was, it's like, there's like oh, talking, talking, and then he's like already flat on the ground. And they're like, whoa, wait, when did this happen? What? <laughs> uh, that was my big prelim. So let's get right to the main card. I did well on the main card. I just want everyone to know. Oh, how well did you do? I I won. I uh, guessed two of the fights correctly. When <laughs> when you and Geo picked the other guy to win, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, yep. Yeah, we picked the we. I picked the co-main and the main event wrong, but I, I'm I'm okay picking the main event wrong because of what transpired. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. we have. Magnumid Aknalev. I am really bad with names. Ankalov. 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 There you go. <laughs> Defeating Vulcan Ozdemir via unanimous decision. Um, it was basically one way traffic for Mag- Magomed. Um, striking was his advantage, more damaging, had the one knockdown. Um, look, I, we'll start off with Ron. What'd you think of the fight? Um, it was pretty one-sided honestly I was a little surprised I thought Ozdemir would put up a little bit better of a fight but it feels like all the Russian fighters on the card were they felt unstoppable I don't know if it's because of where it was at but yeah Ankalev kind of dominated from start to finish it it wasn't uh it wasn't close I was a little little disappointed because I do like Ozdemir but he didn't really put up any kind of fight uh unfortunately on Saturday yeah I was most disappointed in the spite from the standpoint that I felt like Ankalov should have knocked Ozdemir out, and he didn't. I mean, he landed a number of good punches, but just never was a finisher. I mean, he finished the fight in the sense that, obviously, his striking percentage, his significant strikes uh, were, were right up there, but with his dominant as he showed in his ability to, to land in very high accuracy. Um, I thought that he probably would have knocked Ozdemir out, but shout out to Ozdemir for not getting knocked out, I guess. Is that what we celebrate when we don't have a knockout? It's like, your, it's, your prize is that we congratulate you for not getting knocked out. That's what it is. And he's definitely tough. Yeah, definitely tough. Got a chin on him, I guess. Uh. <laughs> Congrats, you're really good at getting your head beat in for three rounds. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, and before we go next up, um, well, actually, let's just go right into it. Hamza Shemaev defeating Li Jialing, Jinglang, sorry, by submission, rear yeah. naked choke. And I, I just want to get this out of the way before, like, because 
it was basically one-way traffic. So this is how, this is like a perfect mood for Hamza Chemayev after his victory. So let's listen in. This is the life brother. Now in the UC smash everybody, take the bonus and eat cocos nuts. Cocos nuts? Cocos nuts, yep. Cocos nuts. I was a little turned off by him, like everyone. I want to kill everyone. I mean, he doesn't. It's he. He doesn't understand the whole how that that translates. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but that is one fierce dude, and and Lee just he, he just couldn't. It's not that he fought bad. It's he couldn't get anything started. It's kind of funny that you said that because my dad's kind of said the same thing. He didn't like how uh, Hamza Chimeyev was acting. And I personally don't mind it at all. Like the guys, I guess it can come off cocky or whatever, but when you're that good, you can be cocky. And to me, like I was even arguing with some folks on Twitter saying, you know, he hasn't fought anybody that's fought well. And it's like, it's not that he hasn't fought anybody that hasn't fought well. He fights so well that they all looked bad against him. Mm -hmm. He hasn't fought any huge names. But everybody he's fought, it hasn't really been close. I mean, I think a lot of people at least anticipated this to be at least a little bit of a, a contest, and it was not. I mean, he just completely – I mean, like, what, seconds into the fight, he picked him up, slammed him in front of Dana and was talking to Dana, like, watch what I do now. Like, he's yeah. just the – guy's the guy's a monster. It's going to be tough for anyone to beat him for a while. I love the video you shared, by the way. The, it was smash everybody. <laughs> he always says he, he says he's going to do it, and he does it. I can get behind it when people back it up. I don't like it when people talk and they don't back it up. Yeah. Right. He, he backs it up. Oh, yeah. We smash people. We take bonuses and we drink coconuts. All yeah. that good stuff. Right. So a big stat from this is that th- that was his fourth fight in the UFC. Um, significantly, significant strikes between him and his four opponents. He outlands them 112 to 1. And total strikes, 254 to two. Incredible. That's all four combined? All four combined. Incredible. Yeah, I'm going to say, I don't think uh, John even landed one strike in this fight, is what I, I believe what I heard on the broadcast. He, I think he attempted one, just never landed it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like people are saying, oh, he hasn't fought anybody that's fought well. Like, it's kind of hard to fight well when you're getting mauled from the second this fight starts. Like, right. <laughs> and no one's even really stood a chance yet. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Shamayev controlled that fight, like pretty much from the opening bell, because so they said that it ended three, three minutes, 16 seconds into round one. He was in control for all but 15 seconds of that fight, at least on the ground control. So, yeah, if there there's one thing that Lee needs to do is to work on his grappling because he just rolled right into that choke and uh-huh. then took his arms away, which allowed um, Shamais to to get that in deeper. And it was just <laughs> you can't give a dude that many tries. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, yeah. It certainly wasn't. Uh, certainly not his strong suit. Is definitely not the wrestling and the ground game for sure. But when you're going up against somebody as good as Chimaev, you've got to be. You got to. I mean, I don't know what he was practicing in training, but it obviously wasn't his ground defense. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get to the next fight, um, there was something that popped up today um, that Dana White apparently is trying to set up a Hamzat Shamaya versus Nate Diaz fight. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I feel like that's a terrible matchup. That's really <laughs> bad for Nate. <laughs> yeah. It's bad for Nate, but Shmayas has to fight someone that's notable, right? Uh-huh. He's, he's maybe one or two fights away from being in probably championship talk, even though he doesn't have that many fights in the UFC, but and maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe he's like 10 or 15 fights away or whatever that number is going to be. But he has to fight some guys that are notable now to, to improve his, his standing amongst the fighters, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt for sure. I mean, I think he needs notable opponents for sure. I honestly think a big issue is that they don't want to fight him. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I know that sounds crazy, but like, no, they, I, a lot of guys know he's a bad matchup for them because he is so good on the ground. So it's hard to get top contenders. I mean, right. if you're a fighter, you have to have the confidence that you can beat anybody, but you also have to be smart enough to know there's going to be some bad matchups for you. And you said he won't, they said they want to set up a fight with Nate Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big name for sure. Nate's not scared of anybody, but Nate would have to keep that fight standing as best he could. And I honestly don't know if he could. It'll be interesting to see, though. I mean, I'd watch it. I'll tell you that. Right. I would definitely watch it. Just, <laughs> I just feel bad for Nate, especially, especially with how strong. Although Nate's not that terrible on the grounds, but I think he would no. prefer to keep it standing. Yeah, he's not bad on the ground. It's just you know, what's Chimaev's strength is the ground. So you want to keep it standing because Nate's, even though he's good on the ground, he's better on his feet. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't really seen Chimaev on his feet too often yet. So, you know, Nate would have to really work on his takedown defense for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the one time Chimaev was on his feet was that quick knockout of your chance. Right. <laughs> so, see what happens there. Um, next fight. Maya should go over to um, <laughs> to Habib's gym, and with him in Islam, they could just be the three badasses of Russia. That's, oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. He fights out of Sweden, right? He doesn't fight out of uh, Dagestan. That's right. Yeah. Right. He has the yeah. exact same fighting style, so I'm surprised by that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so next we got Alexander Volkov defeating Marcy Tybora, excuse me, being in his decision. Um, I don't have much to say about it. It just wasn't that entertaining of a fight, if I be completely honest. Yeah, Tabora, 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 Tybora, yeah. Tybora, that was, he was in a bad matchup. Mm-hmm. He didn't show much. <laughs> I honestly didn't see much of that fight. Uh, maybe a couple of seconds of it. Um, I was busy kind of doing things in between fights and I just didn't really 
that wasn't one that I had to watch. You know what I mean? There was the, the co-man and the man I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch Chimaev, the Chimaev. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't honestly tune into that one too much. I might've caught the end of it and saw the decision, but I heard it wasn't much. I heard I didn't miss much. So no. Yeah. Um, I couldn't seem to get into uh, close enough to, to land really good, effective punches, a lot of singles. And it's just, he's, he's slow. Yeah. I mean, and Volkov's a monster. He's what, like six, seven or something like that. I mean, he's huge for, yeah. especially yeah. for that division. I mean, that's a big guy. So. Right. Um, and he gains yeah, weight. Right. Yeah. Are they, they heavy? He's heavyweight, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I was going to say for six, seven, I can't imagine he's fighting at light. So. Yeah, there was a significant size difference between those two, actually. I because I think Tabor Tabar, whatever, Ty, Burra, Bora. Yeah. Um, Bora yep. I think that he he weighed in at two two forty five or something like that, and then Volkov was 264. Something wow. Or maybe that was turned difference. around. Mm-hmm. but yeah it wasn't it wasn't a, a contest for sure yeah it seemed like uh Tybura just wanted to try to take him down because I guess the size difference but he attempted 16 of them and he couldn't land a single one of them so just very very apparent that he was not gonna take him down so I'm kind of surprised they didn't just switch up the strategy a little bit but I mean yeah. it's kind of hard when you're when the guy you're facing is like towering over you, you're kind of hard like to land. It's not anything to the face, really. Yeah, it's hard to punch up. Mm, right. It I feel is. like Volkov's with, with the type power. of fighter. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Ron. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I was. Just, I feel like Volkov's the type of fighter everyone thought Stefan Strew would be. You know, uh-huh. like super big and like powerful yeah. and kind of keep your distance. And Strew just like. I mean, I know he had his health issues, but on top of that, I mean, he used to get knocked out fairly often. That hasn't really happened to Volkov too much. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. What's up? Oh, I thought you said something. <laughs> so next we have Islam Makachev uh, defeating Dan Hooker. Uh, surprisingly to me, it was by a uh, Kimura. I thought Dan Hooker would have been able to counteract that a little bit um but man like hooker was just it seemed like from the like they were both very close to each other in the rankings but just when the fight went on it just seemed that islam makachev was just like maybe five or six levels above hooker and it's so sad to see hooker like going like sloping downhill especially with how dominant he was over the past few years yeah, I felt like in this fight that he didn't really take advantage of his skill set. I I thought for sure that he, we talked a little bit last weekend or last week about how he capitalizes on space and finds those little little holes in there. And he just, I just don't feel like he did any of that. I think that, I feel like he went against his normal game plan to for this fight and it just didn't work out for him um i'm a little disappointed because i thought it would be 
I thought it would be closer, but I just didn't see it. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm in the minority, but I did not think it was going to be a good fight. I thought it went pretty much how I thought. Although I do think it might have just been a bad night for Dan, Dan as well. I don't think he's necessarily a bad fighter. I just didn't think it was a great matchup. Those Dagestani fighters are no joke, dude. Those guys that they tramp with Khabib, iron sharpens iron, and they're proving it. I mean, that's it's not that I mean, I like Dan Hooker, I really do, but I just I had a feeling that he was gonna lose. I don't know if I thought it would happen as quickly as it did. I thought maybe it would get into the second or third round, but uh I, I, I struggle pronouncing his name, but we have Mikhaev. He just does not mess around, man. He he got right to it, and he just kept applying the pressure. And um, yeah. like like you said, Laurel, like he just kept um, – Hooker wasn't finding the space he needed to find. He wasn't finding the space he needed to find and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it was a bad night for him for sure. I don't necessarily think that's something that – I know he hasn't, I guess, been great lately, but I don't necessarily think that's like um, – something that you could expect to see out of every fight. I think it was just not a great matchup for him, and he might have just had an off night. Sometimes that happens, especially when you're traveling overseas like that. Oh, yeah. I tell you, though, we talk about matchups with Dan Hooker, and who who is a good matchup for Dan Hooker? I mean, if he wants to, if he wants to win and climb the ladder in, in the top rankings, he's got to beat those guys, and he just – He's just going to be, I'm not, I don't want to say average because I don't think any of these guys are average, but for his, for his uh, weight class, he's going to be average. He's just, he's in a tough weight class and it just shows. I totally agree. I, I don't, I mean, I feel like he's probably reached his peak in that division and he'll be one of those guys that might stick around and fight other guys ranked a little below him or around him, you know, as he drops now, I'm sure. But I don't think he's going to be a top contender in the division. Yeah. Kind of he's like not a, on the level. Yeah. Thinking that Dan Hooker is going to be kind of like a gatekeeper of the lightweight division. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Or a, or a punching bag. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that too. Wow. Just tough. <laughs> tough crowd. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those. It's just one of those things. You know, sometimes those guys lose and they never regain their confidence. So, yeah. I, I think I think he'll rebound. It depends, obviously, who his next opponent is. But, uh, you know, I think he can rebound. I'm obviously being a little judging and kidding with the the punching bag comment. But he, yeah. he. Uh, I mean, he's a really good fighter. It's just I don't know if he's an elite. Yeah, I, it sounds bad, as I sit on my couch. He's not an elite fighter. I'm just, in his in his weight class against the guys he's going up against. He's probably not a top three to five guy, or one to five guy. And I feel like he's been ranked up there, right? Like, what was he ranked six, six or seven, something like that? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably where he belongs, and that's not a slight. That's just that's some people's peak, you know. Not everyone's an Adesanya or a. a, a, a uh, Makachev or, or any of yeah, Makachev, sorry. <laughs> he struggled with his name. But not everybody's on those guys' levels, you know. Not everybody reaches that. Doesn't mean you're not a great fighter. But, I mean, a guy like Jorge Masvidal, you know, he's never really been a champion. He's always been a good fighter. It's kind of the same mm-hmm. for Dan Hooker, except I don't know if his level is even as high as as, uh, as, someone, as someone like Masvidal, yeah. 
The thing, the thing that's always an unknown to me when I, when I'm thinking about where fighters are and, and what level they're at and what level they can achieve is how much is, does their corner play into that or, or where they're, they're fighting out of what gym they're fighting out of. And I, it's, I don't know that it's very common that fighters switch gyms and, and go train under someone else's gym, but it'd be interesting to see Dan Hooker. I think just when you watch him fight, he just makes these little mistakes that, that other fighters can, can capitalize on, of course, which is what all fighters should be doing or are doing. And it'd be one, it'd be interesting to see another coach's perspective and how Dan Hooker can change little things to, to become better. Because I think that he, seems like he has just great potential and yet it it goes terribly wrong i mean we talked a little bit about his his cardio his ability to capitalize on space his strong and accurate strikes but something goes awry within in the the process of the fight that someone should be able to figure out right i think i heard that I think Tan Hooker is is Israel Sonia's teammate. Am I mistaken or am I correct? Mm. You're right. Um, I heard like they were thinking about uh, moving to America because of like some things that have been going on at the New Zealand gym base. And so they want to try to start training out of America. So I wonder if maybe just a new environment will help Tan Hooker as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Glover did, right? Mm-hmm. You heard him after the fight. He came to America and yep. got better. Yeah, he did. Uh, nah, not a bad place to train, you know? Nope. A lot of good gyms <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah. Yep. Uh, co-main event, I know this is the one that the three of us were looking forward to. Um, Peter Yawn winning against Corey Sanhagen via unanimous decision. We did. Yes, Laurel, you got that one right, but I thought Sanhagen would have shown a little bit more, but he he started off strong. It's just Jan, Jan just finds some way to adjust and is just able to completely neutralize the opponent's initial game plan and just keep it going for four or however many rounds he needs. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he just, when you look at him and when you look at him fight, when you watch the fight with Sandhagen, I mean, the dude loves to fight. He loves to punch people. He loves to get punched. He loves to kick people. And just every, every stab that Sandhagen got, I think Peter Jan, Peter, right. I think Jan just uses that as, is momentum and he's he's an animal yeah i agree there uh, i was talking to ty during that fight and we definitely had differing opinions on how that fight was going like i was trying to tell him like i don't think this fight was that close and he was saying you know it's he thinks it might be two two going to the fifth i was like yeah i think it's probably three one at best like it didn't really look closer for the first round to me Jan just gets better and better as the fight goes on and that dude is an absolute monster yeah. He's kind of like, uh, who, who else were we talking about that he gets into a fight and then he 
within that first round learns all of it, what his opponent's doing and all the timing. And he just capitalizes on that. That's why he gets better and better in those, those rounds. He watches what's coming at him, the style that's coming at him and, and the timing. And Man, I feel like Anderson Silva used to do that. Yeah. It's just a skill set that I think a lot of fighters should learn. It's, um, it's, it's fascinating. The fighters have certain rhythms. And if you can, if you can learn that and capitalize on it, it, it sets you up for, for big wins. I think, I think on the last episode, I kind of like compared him a little bit to like the male version of Valentina Shevchenko because of how Mm -hmm. she's like, so she like watches the first round and sees like how the opponent moves and all that. And even yep. if there's like, she's at a disadvantage, she finds some way to adjust and just turns it on the second, third, fourth rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that for sure. I do feel like just with that kind of taking your time and um, you know, reading, reading your opponent, I feel like Anderson Silva might've been the greatest ever at that. I mean, he used to always kind of start slow, take his time. And then just pick people apart until they knocked them out or submitted them or whatever. Yeah. But Jan kind of does that as well. He seems like he's very content to go the distance as well. Not in a bad way. I just mean he's 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 got the cardio to do so. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's definitely kind of a Shevchenko thing as well. I mean, she's you know she's a master of what she does. Jan is he's just different, man. Like I really like Sandeg, and he fights out of Colorado. Literally, his gym's thirty minutes from me. Like he's. He's, he's awesome. He's a badass, but he just, uh, I didn't think he won the TJ fight and I definitely don't think he, he was that close in this fight. Although he did start very fast, very strong. The one thing that, the one thing I guess I don't, it it just kind of throws me off about him. It doesn't seem like he ever loads up on his punches. Every shot he throws is like 80%, which is good for volume, obviously. But when you're fighting someone like Peter Jan, you've got to hurt him or at least make them at least, have the threat of being hurt. And I don't think Jan ever felt that. And then the longer that fight went, the less threat he felt, the more he just kind of closed it, closed in. And you could just kind of tell he was smelling blood in the fourth, but especially the fifth round, Yeah, the fourth round, the fourth and fifth, he really kind of took over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, Higgins technique is not the greatest. He should more draw more energy from his lower body when he's trying to land those punches and he just doesn't. And I think that that's one thing when you're as quick as Sandhagen is, I think that's, that's the sacrifice. You always have to sacrifice something and, and the sacrifice is power for, for quickness. Yeah, I agree. And I, I remember the, you know, the fight against TJ, um, you know, obviously that was his, his prior fight to this fight mm-hmm. In that fight, he was kind of the aggressor the whole time. He was the one coming forward the whole time. He was the one applying the pressure and maybe not feeling super threatened. And in this fight, it was definitely turned around where he was the one under pressure. And his uh, corner even told him before round five, like, you've got to stop going backward. And he was honestly, when he stopped going backwards, he started moving side to side. That's when he was more effective. But mm-hmm. he just, it's just like you said, he, he wasn't being most precise and technical with his striking and it, and it cost him. Mm-hmm. Um so i did see that sanhagen and i, I actually agree with both of you that sanhagen actually ended up outlanding 
pretty on, but I think what the judges looked for in that fight was how damaging the fights were. Like you guys mentioned that he throws at yeah. 80% and like that could probably get it done. But when you have Peter Yan who can hit as hard as he can, especially someone who has yeah. knocked out Jose Aldo when Aldo has been one of the more staples of the UFC and to get knocked out and especially against your Faber, like he pretty much demolished two legends of the sport and I mean just kind of proves and shows you like that it may mm-hmm. the amount of strikes may not mean so much it depends on how much power you're putting into those strikes yeah and I think it depends on the fight because Sandhagen had landed more damage it depends on the judges because Sandhagen had landed um, more against Dillon or uh, he landed less against Dillashaw, but more power than Dillashaw and was hurting him worse. And they gave that fight to Dillashaw. In this case, it, it was, I guess it was turned around, even though they say he landed more strikes, it certainly did not seem like it. I mean, if you just watch the fight and you throw all the stats out, I think it was pretty clear that Jan won and it wasn't all that close, honestly. I mean, it's, I think they scored it all, all the judges scored it four rounds to one. Yeah, and like you said, it, obviously this this case had to do with the damage. And, I mean, Jan had the knockdown, the spinning back fist. I mean, he just – he kind of just really – I don't want to say dominated because I think it was not a complete and total domination. But as the fight went on, it was just kind of – it seemed like he was separating himself a little bit to me. Right. So. The corner was funny. Watch those spinning back fists. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he – he swung a couple of them really good, and he landed that one that was that was brutal. Yeah, right in the kisser. <laughs> yeah, knocked him, knocked him down. I thought he was going to knock him out for a second, but Sandigan's a tough dude too. Yeah, he's a tough dude. He, he's going to be around the top of that division for a while. He's not going anywhere. I mean, he's I know yeah. he's lost his last two fights, but the Dillashaw one could have went either way. And mm-hmm. this fight, you know, didn't go his way, but it's you know, it, there doesn't mean he can't get there either. I think he's the kind of guy that give him another year and he could have a rematch with Jan or Sterling, whoever the champion might be. And he right. might perform a lot better this time. You know, it's, I think he's going to continue to get better. Agreed. Uh, which brings us to, so Peter Jan is now the interim champion. So probably be, we'll probably see like early to mid 2022, that title be unified. So mm-hmm. be interesting to see how that fight goes the second time around. Yeah. 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 Against uh, Aljo, right? Aljo, yep. Yeah, you and I were talking about that. You know, you kind of know how I feel, but mm-hmm. I think uh, Aljo kind of took a the easy way out of that one. I do think he was all hurt, but I think he could have continued. I think you just said, "I think I'm just going to take the title and go home." <laughs> and uh, I think they, I think they, I, I look forward to that rematch because I think if there's no injury or no legal striking, that could be another really good one. It was shaping up to be a pretty good fight, so that'll be interesting to see when it happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now we're at our main events. Um, Glover Teixeira defeating Jan Blachowicz, uh rear naked choke yeah. submission. What do we think about that one? That was, I, I want to put that down as, um, so we do front kicks, which are knockouts or throat cuddle submissions at night. That's definitely a throat cuddle at night because I yeah. didn't, I mean, we talked about it, like, okay, this might happen with uh, Teixeira's ground game, but I did not expect it to be finished as quickly as it did. I was excited, but didn't see it coming. 
I don't think Jan saw it coming either. Uh -uh. I mean, uh, yeah. I I didn't. I thought that he maybe didn't look as good defensively that night. Uh, maybe something was off. He didn't yeah. throw that left hook as much as I thought as well. Uh, I just feel like he didn't maybe fight his kind of fight. But at the same time, that probably happened because Glover was just, he stuck to his plan. He's always really aggressive. He throws a high number of strikes. There's a lot of activity. And of course, we can talk about his ground game. But I think the, the I thought the fight went the way I expected, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't completely say that because it could have gone either way. I mean, Jan is not a slouch by any means. I thought it was interesting that one of the announcers says, well, he's a big guy and he doesn't look like he does much, but I was like, because he doesn't do much. <laughs> he's got to be more, he's got to be more aggressive. Right. Yeah, I, sorry guys. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I picked Jan to win that fight. Um, I thought Glover was just a tad too old. Um, I was kind of just remembering Jan's performance. I was remembering his performance against Adesanya and thinking like, man, this guy is so good. Like he's going to be really tough to beat. Um, and I just thought that, uh, I just thought it was not really going to be a close fight and, or not, maybe not, not like close fight, but I certainly did not expect Glover to just dominate the way he did. And I don't know if Jan was hurt, but he tapped out very quickly um, from that yeah. throat, throat, from the throat cuddle. He, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he tapped out. I was surprised. I mean, literally as soon as it was like, even on his chin, he was just like, yeah, I'm good. And that could have just because he's, he knew he was beat, but man, Glover really took it to him. I was uh, a tad surprised with Good for him, man. 42 years old and just becoming the champion like that. Pretty cool to see. And good for him because, I, I mean, I don't think anybody dislikes Glover. He's just a guy that just likes to fight, and he's a good fighter. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, they uh, – the announcers were kind of like, yeah, I think it's something maybe wrong with his chin or he torqued his neck. And Jan was like, nope, he just had me – he just had the – he had me deep in deep in the throat and – I mean, he was choking me. It wasn't on my chin. It was, you know, Glover's a big guy. Those guys are big guys. And when you sink that in, there's not much you can do. You know when you can't get out of it. Right. Sure, I'm sure it didn't feel good. I mean, it didn't, didn't look like it felt very nice. So I, don't, <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't trying to – I just didn't know if he was injured because I know that the announcer had said something like that. So that's why I was saying I'm not sure if he was or not, but – I mean, if he no, was being I think shown. that's what they were. They were questioning whether or not that. I think they were surprised as well that it was ending so quickly. So they they had that same question, but Jan said afterwards that it wasn't it wasn't anything. It was just that he had it in tight, and I wasn't well, getting out. Oh, well, good for Glover, man. I mean, he he wasn't getting out. So whether it was tight or not tight, he wasn't getting out of it. It didn't matter. I mean, he was if it didn't if he didn't tap when he did tap, it was just going to get a whole lot worse than it was. So, I mean, he, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not blaming him. I'm not saying anything bad about him. I just think that 
that was a rough way to – it was a rough performance for him. I think Jan's better than that. I don't think that was near as well as he can perform, but I don't necessarily think that's on him. I think Glover just surprised everybody and really – I mean, he just dominated the fight. It was it was really impressive. It, it was a second round, right, when it ended? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was – because I remember Jan getting up at the end of the first and saying, all right, you got one, and uh, thinking like, oh, here comes a turnaround, and it, it definitely did not turn around. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, I think I kind of would have to agree with that. I feel like maybe because it did seem like once like it was like locked in from like two to three seconds, he had tapped. So I want to assume that maybe Glover just had it on very tight. And yeah, I did hear they had mentioned the whole like was his, I think they said was his jaw hurt or his chin hurt. But I mean, it could have like been a little frazzled because even before that rear naked choke Glover landed like a huge I want to say it was either a left or a right hook that kind of stunned uh Blahovich for a moment to the point where I think he wanted it to he was able to recover in time but he felt like if he took one more shot it wasn't going to be pretty for him so he tried to initiate a takedown but I think Glover was the one that ended up like reversing it and then putting him on the ground so I wonder if he was still a little woozy from that um punch that he received i'll i'll offer i'll i'll offer you a different perspective as someone that gets choked in jujitsu class quite a bit around the neck chokes are not all the same some apply more pressure to the actual uh esophagus and windpipe at the same time. And that's a much more different feeling. It's more solid and it, it, uh, it hurts a little bit more. Um, I don't know if hurt is the right word. I don't know if it's pain, but it's just that uncomfortable feeling of getting your esophagus squished than a choke where pressure is being applied to the carotid artery, Uh which isn't necessarily choking your breathing or your ability to breathe, but more so your ability to have oxygen flow to to the brain. And a large key to the chokes themselves are the placement of the wrist and where that that is at. And so if you're getting choked in the rear and that wrist is in the right spot and against the, the esophagus, I choke, I tap out faster on those than I do any other choke because it's so uncomfortable for me. And I think that may have been the key for, for what Glover did, Glover did to yawn. It looked more like a front choke where you're getting squished on the esophagus rather than than any sort of side pressure way to look at it but i'll have but I, we'd have to ask you on if that was true <laughs> okay if that's where he was getting choked <laughs> but yeah you have we to should, look at it yeah we should ask uh yan and uh, also uh jian jingling whatever i forget his name <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes lee jiang that's it um, uh, cause he got choked out completely unconscious. He didn't look like he was in too much pain, but he definitely went out. So 
Yeah, uh, it's not necessarily ask... a painful feeling. It's just your head's yep. getting squished. Right. <laughs> I gotta say, he's tough. He's tough too, though, because you know most people in that position are gonna tap out. He was not gonna tap out. Uh, you know, Lee was not. He was not gonna go out like a like a baby. He was gonna go out. I I feel like that's certain fighters are just like that. There's certain guys that are just they're just tough. They're just not gonna tap out no matter what. And we've seen arms broken and all kind of crazy stuff. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, – I think Jan did the smart thing and no reason to go unconscious or feel super uncomfortable, especially after kind of taking the beating he was taking. So, smart to, to to go out, especially like you're saying, if it's that uncomfortable and I have not been choked like that and I don't want to be choked like that. So, <laughs> I don't – I feel like I would have tapped out as well. <laughs> well, we talk a lot about – the toughness of fighters if they break something and keep going or even if they go even if they get choked out to unconsciousness and we have a saying in our gym that involves tap early and tap often and that's how you you become a fighter that has longevity in in the sport you don't make it to fight at 42 years old if you don't take care of your body in this sport and people like Lee, who just would rather tough it out and, and get choked out. I mean, that's just a dangerous game to play. If you want to last long in the sport, you don't do that. And we talk about that a lot with our fighters in, in the gym who want to fight a long time. So it's just a, what your mindset is, I guess. Right. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're either any more or less tough by not tapping out like that. You know, like, like you said, I think it's kind of a, probably not the smartest idea in the world. Honestly, you probably should tap out and instead of go out if you want to fight a long time, like you just said, I completely agree. Yeah. Cause either way, when you think about it, either way you lose, right? You yep. lose if you get knocked out. You lose if you pass out. And you still lose even if you tap out. So a yep. loss is a loss. Yep. <laughs> totally agree. One, one might, one's going to preserve you and one's not. So Right. <laughs> I think that covers everything from 267. I think you're now up by a big margin now, though, if I'm not mistaken. I'm 16 and 14, and you are 13 and 15. Not as bad as I thought it would be. That's all right. You can make it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, should we tell Ron about the bet we're running until July of 2022? Yes. Do you want to tell him? Yeah, so we're doing bets from now until, I think, International Fight Week in July. Of next year, and the loser has to wear an I love Pun McGregor t shirt. Oh, I think I saw something about that, like on, uh, on Twitter or something like that. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't hate Connor, but I definitely am not like a big, big fan. <laughs> not as big of a fan as in the past, really. At least, uh, at least lost, lost his luster after he went to box. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we're going to head into round two with some UFC 268 main card predictions. But before we do that, we actually had a question from someone other than Juice, Laurel. What? Yep. This one, this one comes from 
APB, no, I'm sorry, APB on Twitter. And she asked us, what fight are you looking forward to the most at UFC 268? And I think as the guest, I would like to hear what Ron has to say. Man, um, the Gaethje fight is definitely up there for me, uh, for sure. Um, but I think probably the, the biggest one is probably got to be the main event. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I just that's gonna be a that's gonna be a it's gonna be a great card. It's hard to pick one, honestly. Like All it's right. it's. <laughs> It's tough. I'm a big gate you guy, so. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Laurel? guys. Hang on one second. You're good. Laurel? I, you know, you know what I'm going to say, right? Um, Rose versus Zhang Weili? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm so excited for that. I could talk about it since it was announced. I think uh-huh. I have talked about it since it's, it was announced, but I think that that is going to be the best fight on the card. I think it's going to be a bloodbath uh-huh. <laughs> between two ladies who yeah. are bringing, bringing their A game, always bringing their A game. And I'm so excited about that fight. I think it's going to be probably the best fight on the card and somewhat unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Although I think Gaethje and Chandler will be a little bit unpredictable, but I I still don't know who I'm going to pick with uh, between Nam, Nama Yunus and uh, Jean Wei Li. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I'll have to make a decision here in a little bit, but I think that's going to be the best fight on the card. All right. As for me, um, I'm going to go... Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler myself as much as I'd love I would love to pick Usman versus Covington I feel like that's like an easy answer just because of how the first fight went but I'm just I'm just very interested to see how because Gaethje has been out since the since he lost it since he lost his title opportunity to Habib and that was gosh that was like over a year ago I believe and so I'm curious to see how he can bounce back. And then Michael Chandler is coming off his title loss. And I think even before he, like, he called out a lot of people after his win against Stan Hooker. He called out Dustin Poirier, called Conor McGregor, and Gaethje was one of them. And that, that, that fight just screams violence to me. I feel like that fight is just going to be I, – I would have really loved to see that become a five-round fight, but obviously – it. You can't do that for every fight unless you're a Diaz brother, obviously. But I think three rounds is perfect for these guys because at least we get to see how Gaethje does. Because this is, I think, Gaethje's first three-round fight since, gosh, because he's been like in almost every main event since he's been in the UFC. I think, no, you know, I think this is his first three-round fight in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so three rounds... At least he won't take as much damage. Um, so I'm interested to see how how well he does in 15 minutes rather than 25 minutes. Yeah, I applauded about that, guys. Uh, dogs are going a little nuts, but and I, I was blanking on the card, but I agree with you, Ty. I think Gates G and Chandler is going to be 
don't wrong. I think the top three fights are all going to be pretty good. I do think Kamaru will probably handle Colby, and I hope he does because Colby just, you know, I don't know. He's not a very likable person. Uh, he, he is a good fighter, but he has kind of a boring style, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Rose and, and Zhang will be awesome. Um, they're both fun. Rose is – I love Rose. Thug Rose. She's awesome. Uh, but Gaethje and Chandler just screams, like you said. It just kind of screams violence to me. They're two guys that are just going to swing for the fences. Chandler has crazy knockout power, but Gaethje's got a crazy chin. So mm-hmm. – that's going to that's gonna be a wild fight, I think. And I think that will, in my opinion, if I had to pick, I think that one's going to win fight of the night um, or knockout of the night, one or the other. Because I don't think you're going to see any submissions in that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So with that said, we'll go ahead and cover the main card, starting with Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Cheeto Vieira. Um, it's, man, this one is really tough to call. Um, Edgar being a seasoned veteran, I think it's going to be a very close fight on paper. Um, I think what Cheeto has going for him is that he can just switch stances to get advantages on whoever it is he's facing. And he's actually come on his own a little bit. Um, I know I didn't really know a whole lot about him until the Sean O'Malley fight. And the fact that he was able to give O'Malley his first loss was like, oh, wow, like this guy is something someone will have to pay attention to. Um, but with that said, um, I'm going to go ahead and throw my prediction out there right away. Um, it's going to be like, I could, and I don't like to predict split decisions. So I'm just going to say straight up decision. It'll either be unanimous or split, or it could be majority decision. But I think Edgar finds a way to, what's the word? I think he finds a way to get it done. I know he's been. He hasn't been the same Edgar since, to me, even the same Edgar since the Brian Ortega fight. So I'm kind of curious to see if he can bounce back after his knockout loss to Corey Sanhagen. Um, let's see if he has one more run in him to potentially fight for the Bantamweight title. So with that said, I think I'm going to give the slight edge to Frankie Edgar. Hmm. Yeah, I disagree, and I and I love, I love Frankie. Like I'm a big Frankie fan. Like I've been a fan for of his for a long time. I mean, since he's came into the UFC, I don't like the matchup for him at all. And I think he's been on his way down for a while. The guy's tough. He's so fast. I just don't know if he's gonna have the power to to stop Vera. And yeah, I, I'm gonna take Vera in that one. Okay. Yeah, when I looked at these these two guys and some of their past wins and, and past losses, I uh, I think Vera has a slight advantage uh, between the two. I think that he's a little bit more active. My main concerns for him, uh, a lot of times in his fighting style, he's pretty flat-footed. And I think that that leads you that makes you a little bit slower. And I think that he's a little bit of a slower fighter in general, and he's going to need to match the pace that Frankie Edgar is going to bring to him. But I think that Frankie Edgar is a little bit of a plain style kind of fighter. He's, 
he needs, in my opinion, to to throw more combinations out there um, instead of just doing this traditional jab cross that that he does. Uh, he needs to insert in there some some leg kicks and something that gives him a little bit. Uh, a few more significant strikes to to overcome what Veer is going to throw at him. And so I I think it'll be also a close fight, but I do see Vera pulling this out and, and beating Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar has had some tough, tough matchups and he's a brawler. But I think that his his weakness is that he's just not active enough using his entire body to to score points. And and I think that loses it for him at times. I agree. That's a really good point. Like he's a very basic style of a fighter. Like he's very good. He's very fast, but he's not very creative as a fighter necessarily. And I think that comes back to bite him. It, it really helped him at the beginning of his career, but as other fighters have advanced, he doesn't seem like he has as much. And I think it just kind of caught up to him and he's lost. I don't, I don't know how many he's lost in a row, but I think he's lost a few in a row or, you know, like several of his last, maybe like maybe four of his last five. I mean, he just hasn't been as, uh, you know, productive in, in the win column as you would like somebody of his stature to be. I'm a big right. fan, but I think he's just a little past his prime now. And it's just, He's not the same. I mean, you, you fight 31 times in your career, 32 times in your career. It's a lot of fights. Yeah. Oh, 33, actually. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next, we have Shane Burgos versus Billy Quarantello. Um, should be an interesting fight. Both great strikers. Um, what do you, how do you guys see this fight going? Go ahead, Ron. Um, not crazy familiar with either of them honestly um i think that i want to say quarantino but i think burgos is better just uh maybe just slightly better at least on the ground and i feel like generally the better wrestler the better ground guy is going to end up winning if they can get it to the ground mm-hmm. um it'll be interesting to see uh how quarantino handles the takedown defense and if he can stay up and if he can stay up i i think i mean i don't know i think burgos is good on the feet as well but i do i do like hortillo's chances better if he keeps it standing uh my prediction was i would probably say burgos is going to win i just think he'll find a way to make to change levels and get him down at some point and kind of control at least one if not two rounds and that's probably how it went i don't know if either guy will get stopped in this fight but i think that uh i think burgos will find a way to win Yeah, I think this is a little bit of a mismatch myself. I think Quarantilo Kilo is uh, just a pretty basic fighter, throws a lot of single punches without out combinations. He's not, he's, he's active, but hasn't had maybe a lot of high profile fights in my opinion, and, and hasn't seen a lot of uh, top notch fighters in, in his time. Uh, Burgos is a powerful, powerful dude, throws strong uppercuts, uh, hooks, 
the one thing that bothers me though is a lot of times those strikes are thrown with with his hips being square to the other opponent and that really leaves you vulnerable and forced to use all of your other upper body strength to to land each strike he would be only better if he improved that technique and adopted a fighting style where he's throwing with with the hips uh, rather than standing up and, and squaring up. I still, he seems to have a, a pretty long reach and a lot of that power comes from, uh, from, from the shoulder uh, gut area, which slows down a punch a little bit and makes maybe makes it a little bit more predictable, but it's still strong and, and not to be reckoned with. And I think that Burgos is going to win this one easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had written more about this. Um, both are really great strikers. Um, but I think Burgos will probably get the nod here just because I believe his takedown, I think it's going to come down to the ground game. And I think Burgos is ground game is just slightly better than Quarantillo's. So mm. I also have Burgos winning this fight. Yeah. Uh, now we get into the fun fights. Uh, Justin Kichi versus Michael Chandler. Excited for this one. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> I do not know. Okay, tell me, convince me. Somebody's got to convince me. I, I feel like uh, these guys have the same fighting style. They do. They do. <laughs> that's, that's why it's going to be fun. <laughs> I think Gage is a little more active. And I, I gave the fight to him just because of that. I think he's, he's more active throughout the rounds, where I think Chandler maybe takes too long to decide what he's going to do. He seems like from the fights that I watched that he won and ones that he lost, he just kind of seems to bounce around the, the ring and kind of wait for this perfect moment to throw a strike. And I just, I, you can't do that. I don't think. Right. I mean, I'm leaning towards Gaethje because I think it makes more sense, but I don't know. That's my pick, by the way, is Gaethje, but I still am in, insecure about my pick. <laughs> uh, I would be, too. I, I mean, I love Gaethje. Uh, arguably my favorite fighter right now. He's just so fun to watch. Every time he fights, it's fun. He, does, he literally does not have boring fights. Every fight, he goes in there, and he goes to war, and it's awesome. I wish so badly that he would just once – utilize the ground game that he's so good at like literally he's like a college wrestling champion never uses it like does he I'm have really looking to at, does he have to he would he would benefit from it he would have stood a lot better of a chance against a guy like Khabib if he would at least attempt to do something on the ground but um he won't he won't use it so it doesn't matter uh he's got a, a big height advantage on Chandler but Chandler yeah. I think has more power um and that scares me for Gage because Gaethje's defense is basically just taking punches to the face. He yeah. does not actually defend. 
and that concerns me for him. Um, as I still think, I think he's going to overwhelm Chandler, and I think he's going to win this fight. But in saying that, I think that it would not shock me if he got. I don't want to. I, I won't be shocked if he gets knocked out, even though it's very tough to knock him out mm-hmm. because he defends punches with his face, not his, you know, he doesn't block. He just keeps coming forward and throwing. And Chandler, even though he's a smaller person, a smaller guy, he has, you know, he, he has crazy power, as we saw in that first fight that he was in the UFC. I mean, he, he can knock you out with one punch. Um, and since Gates, he's been knocked out and stopped a couple of times now. It kind of feels like those guys out of those iron chins, once that happens, it's just not the same as it was. And that kind of concerns me for him. But I'm going to pick Gaethje, but I won't be surprised no matter what. It's, it's really a toss up in this fight. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with both of you. Like, Ron, you brought up a really good point that Gaethje most more uses defenses that he just takes the punches instead of like, I wouldn't say like intelligently defending himself, but he doesn't you don't see him put his hands up to like defend as much as you would see a normal fighter. Um, Michael Chandler, I wish I knew more about him, but I only really know from those two fights in the UFC because right when I started watching Bellator was when he moved over to the UFC. So I didn't get to see a whole lot mm-hmm. of him, but yeah, he does have the height or the size disadvantage, but we saw that with Dan Hooker and Hooker was like towering over him. And yet he found some way to knock him out and just rain on the rain, those punches. And it seems like in his title fight that he was very, very close to winning that title against Charles Oliveira. If Oliveira hadn't moved around as much as he did. I, I honestly thought after that first round, like oh, Chandler's going to finish this in the second round, probably use like some form of wrestling. And then, Oliver just comes out of nowhere and just clips him. And I think that's the one thing with Gaethje is that he can surprise you and find a way to like get that chin and just knock you down. And I think if Chandler doesn't look out for that, he could be in trouble. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I'm actually going to pick Justin Gaethje as well to win this. I think it's going to be a big time war in that first round, but then the second round comes around and I think Gaethje catches him with something that just cleanly knocks him out like he doesn't have to follow up with any more punches yeah it's gonna be a fun okay. fight for sure man that's all you can hope for as a, as a matchup like that when you just get two guys that you know just want to go to war and put on a show and they're both like that Chandler rarely has boring fights Gage G pretty much never does so yeah. that's gonna be one to definitely that's why I picked it as my fight of the night I just think that's gonna be an absolute they're just going to go at it for 15, you know, until someone gets knocked out or for the full 15 minutes, they won't stop. And that'll be fun to see. All right. So co-main event between Rose Nama Yunus and Zhang Wei Li. I honestly think that this rematch shouldn't have happened in the first place, but that's just my opinion. Um, I know now, I think quite a few have said that as well, but I mean, if you're knocked out, within like 90 seconds of your first fight there's no way you should get an automatic rematch but I think it's I think why this fight happened in the first place is because of the whole it's a better promotional wise I feel like maybe they felt Carla Esparza wouldn't be able to promote as much but there's a good storyline there would have been a good storyline behind that because 
Carla Esparza won the inaugural strawweight champion by beating Rose Namajunas. Um, so I thought that would have been a fun story to see how both of them developed and how well they've grown in the, I think, seven years since they fought. But alas, we get this rematch that is happening, but not a lot of people are excited about. So since Laurel talked a little bit about at the beginning, why don't we... Let's find out what you think how this fight goes. I have no idea. They they had an interview with Jean Wei Li the other day, and she looked even more stacked than the first than her normal looking stackedness. She she wanted that the rematch because. She thought that she just didn't put her best foot forward when, when she entered the ring. And I realize a lot of fighters say that, but that's kind of a cop-out in my opinion and why I think that Rose should beat her to uh, just, just because not even getting giving your opponent credit when your opponent got that job done deserves to get your face punched in a second time. <laughs> so I'm going with Rose. I think both women are absolute warriors and I think it's going to be a slugfest, but I do think that Rose is going to take it to the ground and that's where she does some of her best work. In my opinion, I think that she's really underrated her ground game is underrated. And I think that she's going to pull off this win with that. I think that she has this uncanny ability to land quite a few body punches. And I think she just wears her, wears her opponent down. Now, Zhang Wei Li, she lands a higher number of significant strikes, but I feel like Rose did a fairly decent job of, of closing space with Zhang Wei Li and not allowing her to get those punches off, which obviously allowed, was to her advantage the last time they met and, and she won. So... Just my opinion, I'm going for Rose. I don't know that I would ever pick against her, really. I think that she is one of the female fighters that just has that inner strength to, to, to beat even the fiercest of her opponents. And I think that, I think that she'll, she'll win. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts, Ron? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to your point first and disagree with you um, on the not shouldn't have gotten the immediate rematch. I'm a big Thug Rose fan. I think she's awesome, but it kind of reminds me almost of the Conor McGregor Jose Aldo fight where Connor honestly got lucky and caught Jose and then Jose never got into the rematch. And I honestly think if they had a rematch that Jose probably would have beat him. I, I think it was kind of a one hit, one trick wonder that skyrocketed him. 
I don't think that's the case in this fight, though. I do think Rose is the better fighter. I do think she's going to win by uh, KO or TKO again. Um, Zhang's a beast, man. She's she's no joke. She's like like Laurel said. She is stacked. She's she's tough. She's strong. But something about just something about uh, Rose's belief in herself, uh, the way that she is just so technical with her strikes. I mean, she's just, she's honestly on another level. Like I know she lost the fight. Um, I'm forgetting the girl's name that she lost to, but um, you know, by getting dropped on her head, but she came back and beat her twice, I think. Um, Or either way, she won the title from her. The girls, Rose is no joke. And uh, I know she doesn't have like the greatest record at 11 and four, but she just something about her. It, she's just special, man. And I think she's going to beat Zhang again. Um, and I think it'll be similar to the, the first time, although it may take a little longer. Yeah. 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 Um, that's actually a really good point because I do, because it really does take that one shot that will um, finish an opponent. And I remember when I did see that Aldo McGregor fight, I was completely thrown off that it lasted as long as it because I it was like one of the very first main events that I watched um and everyone was like I, not everyone was telling me I was like reading up how Haldo had like not lost a fight in 10 years and how dominant of a champion he is and the fact that he got knocked out in 13 seconds I'm like oh wow and I think that was the first time I ever learned like how fluky the sport could be um and Ron, I actually would probably agree with you that if they had that rematch, that Aldo probably would have won, in a sense. Um, with that said, um, where was I going with this? Um, I'm kind of curious to see how Zhang Weili changes up everything, because it seemed like she took this loss with a grain of salt and just, like, worked harder, um, even, like, went through a little bit of a transformation and looks like she's ready to go to war again, but I just don't think with all the improvements she makes, I think with the improvements she makes, she'll last a little bit longer in the fight, like you both have said. Um, but, and I want to test what you said, Laurel, about Rose's ground game. She doesn't use it a whole lot, but when she does use it, like she is on point with it. Mm-hmm. And so with that said, I think this is the how this is what's playing in my head as far as the sequence goes, is that I think it's going to the same way as how Rose was able to beat Michelle Waterson. Like, she was able to catch her the same way that she caught John Whitley the first fight with a leg kick, with a, sorry, head kick. Um, and I don't think Rose is going to, like, she's going to go and pounce. Like, she'll throw a couple strikes, but she'll see that the rear naked choke is there and I'm actually gonna I think Rose is actually gonna apply the rear naked choke submission and actually beat Zhang Weili because looking at back at Zhang Weili's tapes we don't see a whole lot of her ground game her takedown accuracy is not that strong and we don't see her whole lot on the ground whereas if she does end up on the ground she's just ground and pounding them so if Rose is really good at her ground game this would be the perfect opportunity to take advantage of it Mm-hmm. and try to take down John Whaley and like wear her down a little bit and I think if it goes to the ground huge advantage to Rose Namunas and I think she uses that and secures the win there 
Yeah, I think I think it's going to be an interesting fight with a lot of what ifs. Always <laughs> <laughs> what ifs in the sport. That's exactly right. Any given day, right? Right. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting fight for sure. Yeah. So main event time. Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington for the welterweight title rematch from the 2019 bout, which was actually very exciting. I know both of these guys were very known for their wrestling when they met the first time, but they both decided to keep it standing, which was, I thought, very interesting, which it was very interesting. And then seeing how Kamaru, like, it kind of gave me a little bit of a glimpse of what Kamaru could do standing up. The fact he was able to finish Covington right before that final bell. It's going to be tough. So I'm kind of curious. So I, I guess I'll throw in what I, how I think this might go down. Um, for Usman, pound for pound, I think he's pound for pound number one right now, right? Yeah. So I think he's improved so much since that Colby Covington fight. Um, and Covington definitely has solid wrestling. I'm not a huge Kobe Covington fan uh, for reasons I'm pretty sure everyone, else, everyone would agree with. Um, but his stand-up kind of, I feel like he doesn't use his stand-up as much because he would rather like wrestle you to the ground. And I think Ron, you and, you and I and Laurel talked earlier said that his fighting style is kind of bland with the whole wrestling thing he just wants to take you down and just like control you but not do a whole lot with it so I'm I think with a guy like Usman he's going to find a way to counteract that and try to make it more of an advantage to him when it goes to the um, grounds so I think Covington if he is unable to get anything going he's going to want to keep it standing and I think that's where Usman has become so dangerous over the past year and a half or so actually really this year he we've seen how well he does standing up and so does Covington's style change probably but I don't think it's going to be enough and I think and I'm kind of getting a little bit of a feeling that because of how the first fight between Usman and Masvidal went because it was a unanimous, it was a decision, but because it was such a short training camp, but now that there's like a full, there was a full training camp, Usman was able to knock him out in the second round. I kind of see a little bit of a deja vu there happening. And I think Usman is going to get a clean KO of Colby Covington. And I'm going to go third round. Third round. I can see it. Stop. Yeah, I can see that too. Uh, it's not necessarily that I think Covington is like a boring wrestling fighter. I think if you're not into the wrestling fighter, like if you're into that type of style of fighting, then it's fine. I'm just not. And five of his last seven fights have all been decisions. And the only two that weren't, he got knocked out by Usman and then he knocked out Woodley. He just, it's not that even that he does, it's not that he doesn't try to finish fights, but his style is basically just hold you up against the cage or put you on the ground and just grind on you for, 25 minutes or 15 minutes however long the fight is mm -hmm. and it honestly just kind of it's just not my favorite plus all the trash he talks he's very good at what he does but he's just not a very likable person or a very likable fighter in my opinion I think Usman 
will I think history will repeat itself. I think Usman will beat Covington again. I think he'll probably KO or TKO him. Um I I mean everyone talks about Covington's ground game, but Usman's really good on the ground too. So I think even if it goes there, I think Usman could really dominate, maybe not dominate, but at least hold his own there as well. Um, you know, he's been fairly active, so I don't think he's gonna be I don't think either fighter will be too rusty. I, I just think Usman is overall just he's just a better fighter, man. That guy is no joke. He's the champion for a reason. And he uh, he acts like it, and he works. It looks like he works like he's the champion. Some people get there and get complacent. It looks like he gets there and wants not just to be the champion, but he wants to be the best ever. And I mean, at nineteen and one, and potentially twenty and one, I mean, he's making a case. So, yeah, yeah, I I I'm agreeing with everyone that um, I think that Usman is going to to win. I think that Colby Covington is a good fighter, but I just think that he's, he's way too predictable. You know, he throws a punch here or there and then just goes for the quick take takedown. And anyone that has any sort of takedown defense can wear him out just by defending his many takedown moves. I think Usman just has so so much power behind his punches and that right hand is just deadly comes out of nowhere to to just smack you in in the jaw and he one of the things that i love that uzman also does is the body shots just one after the other just wearing a, an opponent down and i think that by a second or third round whoever he's fighting is just tired. And I think that Colby Covington is no slouch, slouch on the, the cardio front and has, has a lot of cardio and he just needs to, if he's going to have any hope of winning, use that to his advantage and, and think about going the distance with, with Usman, not the quick takedown one after the other to try and get him on the ground. Cause I just don't think that's going to be as effective during, uh, with this fight. I, I think that Usman, I don't, if, when you first hear it, you think, oh, maybe this isn't such a good good matchup for Colby Co Covington, but I don't know. You never know any given day, but I think Usman certainly has all of the tools to have continued success. I mean, he certainly has all of the tools to, to beat Covington on Saturday night. Great. <laughs> so that covers all of our predictions for 268. I am I actually initially thought, Ron, I thought it was going to be in Dallas. I'm like, oh, then you'll get to see the fights. But then I saw, I forgot. Yeah, it's in New York City. So <laughs> uh, if it was in, I, I actually checked as soon as I knew it was on that weekend. I checked to see if it was in Dallas since I'll be there this weekend. And I was like, if it's there, I am going 100%. But uh, unfortunately, it's in New York a few weeks after I was in New York. So I will not be attending, but I will be watching for sure. Uh, I'm going to figure out a way. Like I said, if I – like, I have zero desire to honestly go out in Dallas. So, if I sit in my hotel room and watch the fights, that's going to be fine with me. There you go. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Like, uh, But I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, Especially those top three fights, the Gaethje Chandler, Rosen, uh, Whaley, and uh, Usman Covington is just going to be 
I think they're all going to be very fun. And I, I think they're all going to be fairly competitive fights as well. I don't think – I don't think necessarily any of them will be, like, quick knockouts or anything like that. I think they're all going to go into at least the second or third round um, and maybe further. But I just – my biggest hope in Usman and Covington is it's not just like a, like a hug fest because they both tend to not mind holding one another up against the cage and stomping on their feet and doing yeah. that. But – if they keep it fight standing like they did in the first fight and Usman delivers those body blows, like you were mentioning, Laurel, I think that, uh, that I think that'll be a fun fight. I do think out of those three top fights, that's probably the one that I could see being most lopsided. I think Usman could honestly just completely dominate that fight. If he, you know, if he has his right stuff and, and it's not taking anything away from Colby, Colby's a very good fighter. It's just, I think Usman's on a different level personally. So yeah. great. All right, so we got one more round to go. Um, and actually, it wasn't quite a – what's the word I'm looking for? This segment was – Laurel and I talked – we were going to talk about this anyway, but it does – the question does kind of help with it. And so we have a question from our friend Laurel Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. And so here is his question. Well, 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 if it isn't front kicks and throat cuddles, this is me. You know who this is. <laughs> Almost lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. This is actually a really serious question, even though it's not sounding like it. That fucking ref. And you know which one I'm talking about with the. Eliseo Dos Santos versus uh, Benoit Saint-Denis fight. The fucking piece of shit ref that let Saint-Denis take all that damage. What a fucking idiot. I bet Chris Matinho was at home being like, I wish he was refing my fight against Sean O'Malley. (laughs) In all seriousness, that guy needs to be fucking sent to jail. Because that was criminal. think we should let the guest of the show let us know what he thinks so the kind of what we're kind of going about with this is so the questions like has MMA judging kind of like faltered a little bit I think you and I might have talked about this a little bit before you were on the show um or maybe it was someone else it might have been yeah I think it might have been someone else but I think you and I did talk a little bit about it so with that results what are your thoughts on like how the quality of MMA judges have been over the past, especially over this last year, 18 months or so. The judges or the referees? The referees. Just want to make sure that we're, because they've both (laughs) not been great. If we're just being totally honest, they both have their ups and downs. Um, It's weird, man. There's certain refs like, uh, like Herb Dean who he'll either stop it um, way too quickly or he'll let someone just get beaten savagely. And that's kind of where this particular ref was on that night, obviously. I mean, he just did not care about the well-being. Um, and and it's crazy because he let it go, and then all of a sudden St. Denis actually caught the other fighter with, like, a pretty nice shot, and everyone's like, oh, well, that's why you let it go because he's still in it. But that was pretty much his, like, last gasp, and it was already essentially over. The fact that, and that was in the second round that that happened. The fact that they like, continued to let that fight go on and they went an entire extra round 
Uh, I think they made the right decision by not letting him referee the rest of the night. Um, they probably shouldn't let him referee anytime soon. Um, I, I mean, your job is to protect the fighters, and he did a, a piss-poor job of protecting the fighter in that case. And it's not that, you know, like I get that people make mistakes. Sometimes you're in there and it doesn't maybe seem as bad as it was, but I think anybody with two eyes could see – I mean, anybody with one eye could see that that was just not going well for St. Denis and he was getting pounded. And it was, you know, like, honestly, I'm su- almost surprised his corner didn't throw in the towel because he was really, he was taking a beating and that's the kind of fight that you can get permanent damage from. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as we all love, you know, to see the wars, like I talk about Gabe G and Chandler, like we love to see those kind of fights when someone, when it's that one-sided, I think you need to protect the fighter from himself. And they probably either if the ref's not going to do it, his corner probably should have. Um, but the referees in general just haven't been great lately. But that was probably the most egregious. Uh, the most egregious that I've seen recently was definitely that fight. Yeah. What do you think, Laurel? Uh, well, you know, admittedly, I uh, watched it. Um, when we were talking early on and I knew this was going to be a question. So I uh, did scroll through and it's, it's, it's one of those things we've talked about before is, is the fighter defending himself or, is he throwing punches back? Is he even saying in the ring, I'm okay, I'm okay. Uh, there are so many little variables to that, but at the same time, either your corner or the judge has to stop it. And if you don't think the judge is gonna stop it, your corner definitely needs to stop it. And the question becomes, why didn't the corner stop it? And I think that's, I think that's the, the weirdest part of the, the whole thing. It was wrong for the judge not to stop it. It's just as wrong for your corner to not stop it. That's, those are the guys, those are the guys you rely on. Uh-huh. We know judges can be unpredictable, uh, a lot unpredictable. So that's, I, I guess that's what I'll say about it. So by judges, you mean, do you mean refs or like the actual judges? Well, refs, sorry, not the okay. judges. <laughs> <laughs> I thought oh, no, there's a combination. Oh no, it's totally so because I, like in football, you have like a head judge, but then in there's other sports like, oh, there's a referee. So it's kind of challenging to compare the two in a sense because they're called different things in different sports. Um, for me, uh, and it's going to go with what Ron said, like the ref's job is to protect the fighters. And if you're not doing that, maybe you shouldn't be in this profession. Like we've mm-hmm. seen plenty of judges like, I think one thing that should really be one thing I really want to point out is like there's some of these judges like I think 
Mark Goddard is one that comes to mind. Um, if there's like an onslaught from one fighter up against another fighter, he'll say like, fight back, fight back, fight back. Like he'll give it three times. And if he's not fighting back, he's going to stop it right away, mm-hmm. especially taking on that onslaught. So there's definitely good reps. Like for me, it's Mark Goddard. Jason Herzog's been hit or miss this year, at least for me. Um, and who else is there? There is Keith Peterson. And I know he's like, no nonsense. Um, hey, that's no nonsense, Keith Peterson. No nonsense. Okay, no, no. <laughs> okay I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, he definitely honestly is no nonsense. Um, although he, the ref that did, uh, uh, I guess, officiate that fight um, between Dos Santos and Dos Santines, Santines. Sorry if I messed that up. Um, what I found really bizarre from him was that there was an accidental groin shot. I think it was like in that third round and he gave no warning. He just automatically deducted one point. And so like, what, what are you doing? Like you see, you see this guy taking so much damage and yet he gives an accidental shot. Like he wasn't even warned about it. And Oh, I'm going to take one point. And there was one point in that fight where I think it was Sanid who, oh my gosh, why can't I pronounce the name correctly? I'm going to look it back up real quick because I cannot remember his name for the life of I think of it's Saint Denis, I think. Saint yeah, Saint Denis, yeah. Um, they went to check on him like they had the doctor, they were going to have the doctor check it. Like, oh no, he's good. Like, this dude's like you're taking so much damage and you're not going to like at least check on him to see if he's okay. Like, Oh my gosh, like, I feel like, I think it was mentioned on the broadcast or someone had said it, like, did this ref, like, take all of his training through Zoom and just didn't get any, like, um, on-site experience on how to officiate a fight because, oh my gosh, that was horrible. And I was actually really glad that he was pulled for the remainder because I think the other fight he was set to judge was... Uh, I think it was Ozdemir, the Ozdemir fight. And she's like, if you can imagine having two light, if that was bad, imagine two light heavyweights where if he was, um, Aquanov, geez, I can't remember names today. It's really bad. Um, Magomed, had he like been, had he lit Vulcan Ozdemir up and he didn't stop that, like, oh my gosh, like it was going to be pretty much. A battle to the death so with that said I think the refs been doing okay but we're kind of starting to see like the downgrade a little bit especially like that was probably the worst officiating I have seen this year from a and I said judge a referee so yeah. I don't know I feel like some at some point before maybe the next car for the next year like they need to find some higher quality judges to and not have someone who just got like train like train them a little bit before we throw them out into the wolves because imagine if imagine if he got hurt to the point where he wouldn't be able to continue fighting anymore like that's his life and I don't know I'm just uh, again, there has to be there has to be a couple layers of protection for fighters, in my opinion. One of them is the judges, 
well, or one of them is the refs and we all know how inconsistent they are. And then the other, the other, that second layer is your coaches and they, if, if the, the ref wasn't going to stop it, they, they should have, they, they should have just done it. We've seen it time yeah. and time again, where a corner stops the fight. Like, no, we're not, we're not fighting any anymore. And that's, that's a level that you have to, to go to. And we've talked about this a lot of times too, because I think it comes up a lot is there's no consistency between referees. There's no baseline of what is bad and what is, this is going to be okay. And there, there's no baseline. Right. How do you yeah, know? Just, just to play devil's ad, advocate just a little bit, and I'm, I'm not going to defend the ref, obviously. The mm-hmm. one thing that's that I can see from, I guess, like that ref's point of view is how angry people get. And I know that they're not supposed to listen to other fans, but how angry people get when a fight is stopped too soon or too early. Um, they take a lot of heat for that as well. So it's hard to know when, not always, sometimes it's hard to know when to stop and when to not. This was pretty crystal clear that it needed to be stopped. And that's why he wasn't allowed to ref anymore and he shouldn't have been able to. But if, if you're feeling the pressure that you're worried they're going to, people are going to get mad at you for stopping the fight too soon in a fight like that, then you're, you, you really need to rethink what you're doing. And I don't know, you know, obviously every country and every, um, state has different sanctions and different referees. And I don't think I've ever seen that referee in the U S if I, I'm not possible, not positive, but I think I've only seen him on the UAE cards and uh, I'm not sure we'll see him again because it just, it's not a good look for the sport and it's dangerous for the fighters, man. I mean, like, you know, the, the sport is about violence, but it's also about protecting its fighters. And like you said, he could have, you know, suffered permanent damage or something. And, I agree with you too, Laurel, saying, you know, if, if the ref's not going to stop it, then the corner should, should at the same time for the corner, it's like, they're always going to believe in their guy, but he was taking so much punishment. I mean, there's no reason that after this, after the second round, they should have just called it. They should not have let him go back out there for that third round. And if the ref wasn't going to do it, the corner should have, and that's on them. They need to protect their guy, but really. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're good. I agree. Dana White could have easily stopped that too. I mean, yeah. he is the Dana US- likes the violence. Yeah, <laughs> Dana likes the violence. He does. <laughs> yes. Dana's 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 crazy. Um, but you know, he just likes the entertainment and stuff. But he obviously didn't like it that much. If he, because I, I feel like it was probably his call to pull that referee. So even if even he is like, "What are you doing?" Then you need to figure out your life. You know, there's, there's certain reps you'll give the benefit of the doubt, guys like Herb Dean who have been there and done that, and they might make a mistake here or there, but they've been there so long, you know they're the best. Yeah. I don't think that this was not the case with this particular referee, and that's probably why I, I don't think we'll see him again anytime soon, at least not in the UFC. Right. I feel like that was one of those fights where I was really hoping that Dan Hart, like I would have loved to hear Dan Hardy yell, stop the fight. Maybe that would have woken him up and mm-hmm. st- stop the fight right there. And then I yeah. do feel like the announcers were mentioning that though. 
Like, I feel like they were saying, like, why is this fight still going on? Like, they were even correct. I, if I, uh, oh, was it Felder that was calling it? <laughs> Felder called the fight. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he was like, even like cracking a joke, like, uh, what has to happen for this fight to be stopped? Like, everyone was kind of surprised. Like, it was just, I mean, it was really, it was, it was truly almost like brutal because I've seen worse, but it was just not. It was to the point where it's not even fun for the fans when you're just seeing somebody just get the life beaten out of them that badly for 15 minutes. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you trying to prove? You know what right. I mean? Like, you just wanted to lose like 10-6 or 10-7. Like, the, the fight was – it was clearly over after the second round, and, and they should have just called it, and they didn't. And that's bad on the corner and bad on the ref. I think DC joked that this could have easily have been like a 10-7 round, which they didn't rule a 10-7, which, I mean, watching that fight, like I would have, if I were a judge, I probably would have, and they didn't stop it, like that definitely would have been a 10-7. Right. But um, any final thoughts? No final thoughts. Go Rose! <laughs> just just looking forward to the card this weekend i think it's gonna be really fun and i, I hope it is i'm excited to check in and uh, i'm excited to beat you in our picks again because i usually do so wow <laughs> yeah I'm wow bring it bring in some heat <laughs> it's all yeah. good fun ty, ty and i we we pick almost every big fight card i feel like it's honestly pretty even as far as who wins maybe not i might win more often but it's close <laughs> I know you've been winning winning them more often, but I think it's just more I don't know if it's yeah. I think you've definitely been winning them more often than I have. So either, either been tired also, or you've won. You know why though? It's because you pick fights with your heart more than your head. Oh, you'll oh, just be oh. like I, you'll be like, I don't like this person, so I'm not picking them. I'm like, dude, I, <laughs> I don't think that guy's gonna win that fight at all. Like <laughs> probably. Like like the co-main, like, I just feel like you're not a, a giant Yawn fan, but you really like Sandhagen. And so you're like, I'm picking Sandhagen because that's who I like. And I'm like, mm, not sure about that one, but <laughs> here we are. So, yeah. Uh, who you want to root for, right? I, I agree. And, you know, it's, it. yeah, I mean, I, I actually told Ty, like, I'm rooting for Sandhagen. He's from Colorado. I just don't think he's going to win. And that's why I picked Yawn. <laughs> Which is fair. Which is fair. 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 Uh, so with that being said, Ron, where can the wonderful FKTC followers or even Twitter uh, listeners find you? Uh, I'm at Mile High Greco on all social media. So uh, yeah, Twitter, uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram at Mile High Greco. I'm, uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to anybody that wants to talk any sports i love all sports pretty much so mm-hmm. always having to talk about whatever i'm i'm on there and up to chat and yeah i really got appreciate you guys having me on your pod today guys it's the first podcast i've ever done so pretty excited wow. to to uh hear hear it and hopefully get some good feedback awesome <laughs> we were we happy enjoyed having you. you i really do appreciate it guys yeah um so any comments, any questions, any voice questions, anything among that, you can find us on our podcast page on Twitter at FKTC Pod, or you can talk to us individually as long as there's no funny business. 
finding Laurel, get your jits on at Rain Basin. And then me, Ty, at Ty Fly Guy 15. But until then, protect your faces from Laurel's kicks, protect your throats from my throat cuddles. And Laurel, what is our golden rule? Never leave it in the hands of the judges. And until next time, we will see you all next week. Bye.